This is a buzzkill, and we're really excited today. We've got a great episode. We're talking about malware today. Today, we have Yehuda Sunshine on the line with us from Israel. He's based over there. Today, we have Yehuda Sunshine on the line with us from Israel. He's based over there. So for us, for Jay and I, it's 8 a.m. For him, it's the uh, late afternoon, and we really appreciate him joining us today. My name is Hunter Willis, and um, we've got Jay Leesk with us as well. Jay, do you want to say hi, and then we'll toss it over to Yehuda and start the episode. I just, I just like seeing how long you'll go and how many times you will say who's on the call before I interrupt. Good morning, Hunter. Good afternoon, Yehuda. Welcome to Buzzkill. Thank you so much, Jay and Hunter, for having me on Buzzkill. Sure. Well, uh, this is a highly anticipated conversation, at least for the three of us. Uh, It's been a comedy of errors trying to get this scheduled. But you and I have been kind of playing tag in in having a a similar conversation, uh, potentially shorter and and less uh, rambly, um, for a year and a half now. So uh, it's, it's it's good to get to do this finally. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad that we could finally uh, have the stars aligned and be able to get in the same room together. Likewise. So uh, I have you down as the chief evangelist and head of public relations at Odix. What does that mean? So it's a lot of content. It's a lot of research. It's a lot of speaking with the dev team and seeing what are the the interesting products and, and solutions that we're working with, but more so what's interesting in the news cycle? What are the people in the IT community really interested in? What are the touch points that really add value? Because I understand being a vendor, you can't tell everybody that your solution solves everything. But what you can do is enter the conversation, provide value added content and ensure that when people do look at you, there's this basis of expert material where they say, this person is worth looking at. The company is an extension of that, but nobody nobody wants a sales pitch now. So what I really try to do is, is frame our, our leaders and frame our technology in something that's relevant to the conversation instead of trying to do something that's very sales or product heavy. Yeah, I, it's, you know, Hunter and I are in very similar spaces, although I don't have the chief evangelist title. That is a pretty awesome title. Um, but being on the side of creating content that gets people to trust that you actually know what you're talking about, or rather than assuming you're just a used car salesman when you walked in, walk in the door, I, I'm a hundred percent on board with the need for that. Um, so in this particular case, Odix does uh, security based software. What, what exactly, you know, how, Exactly, does does Odix and your wealth of knowledge fit into a security conversation? So, so Odix really works in the email security space, specifically trying to mitigate the risks of zero-day attacks and complement sandbox-based technology. So it really works in this understanding of the value-added conversation, where when you respect your clients and you know the only way that your product works is them integrating these other solutions and legacy technology and understanding what's on the market and then trying to find something that fills a gap. So zero days is a very broad category, but in its essence, we have a product that can look into an email, break it down on a binary level, remove the, the embedded malware within an attachment, and then give you a fully functional file in the original form, a file form within normally in less than a second, second and a half for a huge file. So to sum this up, because of what you do, you know a lot about email and you know a lot about malware, right? 
And I and I I'm very lucky to understand also that these things are are part of a broader scheme. So understanding the value in fighting malware is in understanding the technology that you're using, the education that you need to, to ingrate in your employees, the broader culture, and all of these have a part. And I think that it's really enabled me to understand that one thing can't stand on its own, but everything together can provide some really effective defense. And that's so, and for everybody listening in, if, especially if this is your first time listening, um, that's one of the reasons we call this buzzkill, right? Because there's technology, there's solutions, like the the pitch that Yehuda just gave us, which is great. Um, there wasn't a pitch. There's no money exchange. No money. No, money. no money exchange. No money. No money. So uh, please accept this Buick at the end of the show. Completely right, yeah. Buick. <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> hey, nice. Oh, goodness gracious. Hey, I just got an email. No. Um. So. We, we talk about all the time, right, how there's all these technologies, right, and how um, the security aspect of software is absolutely important, but it's the human end of things that is really, at the end of the day, that's the most important part, right? You have to have training for users. They have to understand what's going on, and their training and their processes have to be easy enough to be part of their daily cycle without, you know, tons of adoption curves to, to really pick up what's going on and prevent bad things from happening. So Yehuda, can you do us a favor to start here? So today we're talking about like malware, ransomware, these kinds of attacks and things that can happen. Um, can you, let's let's just start with a little quick breakdown of a difference between like malware and ransomware, right? And is there a difference or is one kind of, I would say that ransomware is kind of a kind of malware, is that right? Yeah, I would say ransomware is a subsect. So if malware is anything that's going to be infiltrating your, your network in a malicious way, ransomware is a specific style of the attack. So the ransomware, instead of just taking your data, we're going to hold your data hostage like a ransom and then extort you for money. And potentially, this is a very complicated part, copy your data and then use that later down the line. So it's it's very tricky because malware can be any number of things. Ransomware is a specific style of attack. Yeah, and I have an example of uh, of malware that I've seen, and that's, uh, again, saying that like mal this all this stuff, it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody downloads something or accepts an email and everything breaks instantly, right? With uh, FileZilla had this thing. It's a great piece of software. It's open source. It's a FTP client just for uploading, downloading, uh, files to servers. I love it. I've used it for years, but in a package about two years ago, uh, the they used like a default installer when they compressed their package. And when you uh, unpack the software, people that did network monitoring, when you unpack the software, that installer would just like send packets to Russia. But I mean, and, uh, and they were like. <laughs> These go back though from the from the first ransomware attack in 1989. It didn't get activated until 90 times after the user at, like started up their computer. So it, it's not like this is a new thing in being able to to play the long game because when when you install the software, most of the time, especially in a zero day where we're, we're saying an attack that's not known yet. It could be there for any period of time, and it doesn't behoove the attacker to give up that information. If they put this red flag, if they access all of your, your banking files, and you immediately decide that this needs to stop, they can't keep on exploiting your data as, as easily. So there, there's different levels and different players that you need to think about and who's trying to access and what they intend to gain. Yeah, sleep so well tonight. <laughs> so, so let's let's kind of let's rewind a second. You said to, something that was kind of of key there. People hear ransomware, and uh, 
they assume this is a recent phenomena. But you just mentioned a date from 32 years ago. First of all, how dare you suggest where we would know what that even means? Uh, but no, but really, like, you. so ransomware has been around since 1989. And in 1989, even better, you were supposed, it was sent on a floppy disk by the mail through a accessible, like, directory. And then you had to send $189 <laughs> to a P.O. box in Panama. Oh, so I love people, it. People now, they have this connotation that, like, cryptocurrency has put ransomware into a different gear. And I'm not going to argue that ransomware and the accessibility in cryptocurrency don't have some sort of relationship. But to say that these kinds of extortions weren't happening before and won't continue to happen if we can somehow find a solution to, to the crypto, it, it's it's very difficult to draw that line. And I think it's it's easy to get involved in the buzzwords and to say, this is, this is causation, this is... But maybe it's just as like a completely disconnected correlation. Yeah. Now, now only stupid people fall for ransomware, right? Like it, it doesn't happen to, or malware in general. Like it doesn't happen to the average person. That's why they're all related to me. Um, it's it's true. It's not our fault. We have to lick it first just to make sure it's still good. <laughs> You know, it, it goes in the entire range, and it, it'd be nice that if it would be only the the highest end users, only these CEOs or these high tech people who are in these advanced technical roles are going to be sent this malicious file. But it can range from you know your your dear Nigerian prince sending you a, a, a humble note to these advanced social engineering where you think that it's a, a family member that you're close to or a friend or a contact who's completely and totally legitimate and you look at the email address and there's one letter or one dot that's placed left or the right and it can completely and totally change the terms of the of the game. And so that's that's why this is important for like the every person, right? It's like this can happen to anybody. It could be work related. It could be personal, right? It doesn't. There's no real filter on like who the target is here, well, right? Hunter, what this do you hear all the time? I'm not valuable enough to have my information steal stolen. I don't have anything worth stealing in the first place. They, if they look at me, they're going to just put me aside. And it's like you're more of a number than you realize. And when you collect a vast data set, you're just as valuable as somebody else because I'm trying to get 10,000 people's information. And I mean, I'll, you are. I'll, I'll admit it. If they want to steal my wife's student loan debts, she has a bachelor's, two masters and a PhD. I am happy for them to steal that, <laughs> that information. Nice. I, I always remember thinking when I got married, I had $37 in my bank account that I borrowed. And I was like, are they going to take that? If they steal my credit card, do they get the overage when they can't pay for their own food? <laughs> nice. Okay. So, so let's talk about how this has changed over time, right? So we're saying 1989, uh, floppy disks being sent to your address, you know, um, do they still typically send floppy disks? Uh, so floppy disks are usually the avenue of choice, followed by LaserDisc and 8-Track. Um, nice. I didn't yeah, realize they even went the, the LaserDisc yeah. route. That's awesome. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. They, they were going to go to beta, but they were like, I'm not exactly sure if it's going to catch on. If you don't play this 8-Track of the Bee Gees, then... <laughs> <laughs> no, so, but it has. It has changed you over time, right? Especially, 
I'd say the biggest advent, of course, since then is going to be the Internet, right? So like you mentioned, emails going out to people. But when we talk about corporations and even personal email, uh, people are trying to access databases of information, right? And pull information off of people's computers, depending on. It's it's very complicated because we, we talk about it where is it the, the elevation from work from home, where we say in the past year, two years, the amount of people sending critical data through email has gone through the roof. Is it the, we were talking previously about the adoption of cryptocurrency. Is it all of these different factors and the, the, the digital transformation that individuals and businesses are going through, but the, the relationships that we have now, they just have this digital transparency and there's a flow of information. And I think that, that the, the cyber criminal element has seen that this is how we're going to extort it. We're going to, to try and get the most of it. And that's why also municipalities and MSPs yeah. and CSPs are being targeted because the hackers are saying, even the malicious hackers are saying that I could make one attack or I could make one attack that gets me the data of the equivalent of 15 or 10,000. And, and it's understanding where all of these weak points are, who's the most vulnerable and why people are in this situation. Is it because they're not following basic you know, cyber hygiene? Because I, I, as much as I would like to say they're not integrating the most advanced, it's it's you, it's me. Right, cyber, uh, cyber. It's, sorry, yes. sorry. Um, but you know, is, is it these complex things that cost a lot of money to solve? Do we need to throw some technology that you don't understand that you can't spell? Or do you need to have a heart to heart with your IT team in a non-technical tone where you're saying, think before you click. Why is it that I shouldn't do this? It's not because the company is going to lose a bunch of money. It's because you're going to get locked out of your computer. You're going to feel bad. Your personal data is going to be accessed because you know that you could mitigate that human error. And I think a lot of this, the problem is that people are afraid that it involves something very lofty and they're even more afraid of applying something simple that's consistent to solve their problem. Well, it's a real downer too. It's not one of these like fun, like, you know, from IT, what you want to be able to do is talk to people about, hey, we're going to increase productivity. We've got this new stuff. Here's how you learn it. It's going to be great. You don't want to be like, if you don't do this, it would be the end of the world, you know? And so. And you want to click a button. You want to click a button and say, this is going to block everything. And, you know, for, for my product that we sell, we have a, a banner that comes up and it says that this has been, this has been cleared from malware. But if you click everything and you mess with your admin settings or you don't have antivirus or you don't have, it doesn't matter because you see this assurance, but the assurance is a false flag because you're not doing the other steps to prevent penetration. And it's, it's a holistic thing, but it's also one of these common sense things. People don't want to put the time into it. They want to read a million emails and assume that this is junk. They don't want to say that everything requires an extra second. Maybe I need to call my IT team instead of investigating this myself. Maybe it might be more of an inconvenience, but the losses to my business, you know, if you're an SMB, they say 60% of SMBs close within 18 months after a significant cyber attack. So oh, wow. it's up to you. It's up to you. You know, where where does that line go? If you're an SMB where you don't have the money to onboard all this new technology, maybe yep. you do have the money to have an IT guy who's not, you know, the the most technical person sit down with your marketing team and say, disable macros. None of you ever need a macro. You're not in you don't need any of these things. I'm gonna make it easier for you, but even more so, I'm gonna explain to you why this is important. So when you go to your next position, the IT guy isn't killing himself. You can go to your friend and say, 
I learned this thing because you want to be the evangelist, right? You want to be the person who's embodying this conscious cyber awareness instead of being a cyber reactive person. That's it's problematic. Well, and it's, we, we, yeah, good, Jake, go ahead. Go ahead. It, it's just really interesting because I didn't really expect us to go down this path, but this is literally the theme of our show from, from episode to episode is like technology is great. It, it gives you these improvements. It makes these things available, enables your people to do these things. But if all you're focused on is deploying a piece of technology, you're missing the boat. You have to, and that's why we call it buzzkill again. You have to take the time to have these other conversations that are tangential to the technology. And in this particular case, you have to explain to people, like, pause, think about what you're reading. Do you really know a Nigerian yeah. prince? And right. if not, like, who can you call to confirm does this guy like have do the credit? Do you have the number of the embassy? Can right. I assist you in finding the crown jewels? Have you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I was going to talk about like, like we mentioned, you kind of mentioned this really quickly here, but this is a huge problem, especially in the US. Some other nations across the world have a much more direct system where the municipalities are like tied to their federal, they're, they're like over their larger government for the US local municipalities are largely autonomous in a lot of ways and in so in the past 9 months the the US has had 250 separate municipal legislations garnering cybersecurity pe uh, protections and and mandates how are you supposed to understand that? And if I'm from Seattle and I go to Baltimore and I talk yeah. to a guy in Cleveland and we're trying to compare our data, but the things that are being asked of us and the constraints are completely different, how am I supposed to learn from them and impart those experiences? It's it's very, very tough. Well, and you still, you have like smaller counties where they don't have the resources to do stuff, right? And they don't have anybody, they don't have people in their own community or general area that have the experience. And to explain this to people, right, you've got tech that has really tons of information about every single one of your citizens in your municipality, and you don't have the people and the resources to be able to protect it properly necessarily, right? And the MSPs, a different boat. It's kind of the same in from a private side. You're a small company, maybe you have five or six people, but you're supporting you know, 10, 20, maybe 100, 200 different companies and all those employees information, right? And, and the security the information the for all of them is in. The big difference between the, the MSP and the municipality oh, yeah. is, the, is the pressure being pushed down on them and the internal buy-in. I think with MSPs and, and, and the CSPs, they understand that if they don't get their house in order, they're going to be financially responsible for the consequences. I think that with municipalities, because of this divergent legislation, the disconnect between the, the practitioners, the people who have these mandates and the expectations of results, it's very, very difficult to, to get your chickens in line and say, this is what we're going to do in six months based off of industry best trends. Versus a, an MSP or CSP, while they have great risk, I think that they're a lot more agile in their ability to adapt to it. I think that with, with municipalities, there's this, this nexus of you know outdated thinking in trying yeah. to understand the risk, limited resources, people yeah. who, which is huge, people who don't necessarily know how to articulate the, the core you know, problems that they have and bringing it to the higher ups and being able to bring it down the chain and then being able to show what are the results. 
because they they don't have the same mandates. And then on top of it, with municipalities, they have to they have to publicly release so much data. And I, I wrote about this. I wrote a, an ebook about municipal cyber risk, and in it we talk about that where where corporations can kind of hide some of this personal information a little bit closer to the chest. Municipalities have to release all yeah. this private information about their citizens and these data points and these things that they're using and their and their partners, and it leaves them very, very vulnerable to attack. Where a corporation could mitigate some of those risks. Like an example of what he's talking about, right, would be like a court case lookup, right? You can go to any most county systems and you can like look up information about court dates and people's names that are involved in those sometimes those will spit out addresses and other information right there's also like uh the gs systems where you can go in and you can look up all the addresses of all the homes in that county and see it's who owns it when they it's bought it we tell you I'm telling you learned a lot about my neighbors <laughs> all right so anyway she's uh, on killing people <laughs> So, uh, so that was good to, to dive into there. Um, talk to us though. We talked about something on a lead, as a lead up to this, right? Um, is ransomware as a service, right? There are actually, you know, when we talk about like quote unquote troll farms and these kind of public private where the nation states are like, hey, we're going to use these people to do this stuff, but they're not directly tied to the government or just even in different locations around the world, people offering this literally, they can just they can just buy it right as a service from people to run these attacks. Can you talk to us about that and maybe give some examples? Jay, what are you going to hold on? Jay's gonna... Well, I was going to say potentially not from the pitching, the desire and the reason you would yeah. do this, but like, Don't what are we actually about against? your like, ransomware I'm not, I'm not, as a service? I'm not selling you, I, I actually have a couple really good <laughs> ransomwares that, I, that I'm offering for sale this month. That's right. Um, are they on actually, discount? Yeah. I, can, I can't tell that to your audience. We can speak offline. Um, right. Are you renewing your warranty? I was I doing my warranty. that email six times a day all the time. <laughs> but, but, but it's funny that you mentioned that because we could, we could talk about ransomware as a service. And we say that, you know, in the past five, six years, this thing that went from high DevOps costs, a lot of operation time, a very precise hand that you need to be able to, to distribute this around the world into something that's, you know, monetized and simplified like any other e-commerce site with customer service that's head and shoulders above what you're going to see from almost anybody else. And in Israel, we're not known for our customer service, surprisingly enough. Um, you should come meet us. It's tough. Um, but it, when you talk to these ransomware as a service people, it's amazing. They'll email you back in five minutes, any, any troubleshooting, they'll deal with it. And, you know, in an, in an instant, they'll, they'll be able to draw that line where they can either have the, they'll just be on the tech end or they'll get a cut. And when they get a cut, then it's even more in their interest to be able to ensure this attack goes out. And, you know, it's there, there's dozens of them. So there's like the, the satin RAS, uh, platform, there's Petya, there's server, there's there's so many of them. And the big thing that ties them together is simplicity. Just like how we're talking about when you explain the, the consequences of ransomware and you need to break down, we are going to shut you out of your system and take your data. It's the same simplicity on the other end. We're going to deal with all of your customer service. We're gonna deal with all the technical stuff. We're gonna deal with the payment. And all you have to do is give us your, your Bitcoins and it's over. And it simplifies the whole process. It makes it so you can produce it on scale. And it makes the risk exponentially more because instead of it being this, you know, 
the, the pillar of the elite who can create this devastating program. Now you just need to be able to access the dark web to be able to you know, communicate in a secure fashion. And we can do that these days. That's not, that's not like rocket science. So, so let me, let me kind of, again, I'm going to rewind a little bit for people who uh, aren't as familiar with the, the, the aspects of what we're talking about on the, on the technical side. So you're talking about ransomware as a service. You're talking about this concept that uh, I can go to one of the companies that you may or may not have just mentioned, and I can buy from them compute cycles uh, on on their vast web of hijacked computers, um, and I can I can I can have them do all the work, and all I'm doing is receiving what the data that they've that they're hijacking and and potentially. You can receive the data. You can receive a payment, and then and then the other aspect that I think that that people don't realize that that previously with the ransomware attack, you have one malicious player who has your data, who's then selling it across the web. Now we have vastly more, vastly more. You know, previously you needed to be able to market this. Now we have a huge market for it. And I can say as a distributor, maybe this data isn't valuable for me. But if I facilitate 15 or 20 ransomware attacks, I am sure I can sort through my way and find something that's gonna give me something. Joy. All right, so <laughs> as we're kind of smell the neighbor, I know exactly, exactly. <laughs> the end is not necessarily near, though. You know, but the good news is that there's in most situations there's a lot that users can. There's simple steps that most users can follow, right? Just don't like he was talking about before. If you if emails unfamiliar to you, don't click it. Especially don't download anything that you're not certain about. Don't go to like third-party websites that you've never seen before, internet information or down. The downloading is such a big deal and they're so good at making things look like it's safe to download sometimes, you know? And if you're a marketer, you have, you have to realize we put this information out there and we want an info grab, right? Everybody I'm coming into contact with, I want to be able to track them. I want to be able to understand their cycle, what they're reading, what they're interested in following enough. And I'm doing enough for all the right reasons. But when, I, when you put it out there, you need to understand what are people looking at? And when I put it out there, are they giving everybody their information? Is every minute thing that has value or doesn't have value, do they get my email address? Do they get my phone number? Do they get my place of business? Do they have yeah. all social media contacts? Or am I going to be a little bit more discriminatory and say, I can find things that are open source. I can find things that don't have this paywall. Even more so from a PR perspective, I'll personally engage with the people who created the content. I can form a relationship and understand what they're doing. And I don't have to, to be suspect that I'm giving something away. And then I provide added value to both of us. So yeah. it, it's really, it's a choice in how you can engage with it. But the most basic thing is think before you click, make sure, you know, your antivirus and your basic email protection is activated and have a relationship with your IT team. They cannot be the people that you call for triage when everything is on fire. They need to be the people that you see in the break room and the people that you can have a conversation with and you shoot the breeze because that foundation is going to say, mm, is that a problem? Yeah. I'm just gonna I'm gonna shoot him a WhatsApp. I'm yeah, going yeah. to or whatever you know very easily uh, taken by major corporations data platform that you use. Uh, you know, send it out there and have that clear means of communication and understand. There's not it's not like that South Park right where there's no no stupid questions to stupid people. No, there's 
There's just the idea that we want to learn more and better understand. And when you can pass that information on to your colleagues, to your friends, you know, it's not about like your elderly grandmother who's going to get hacked. It's about, you know, your neighbor who is very, very aware and didn't spend that extra second. And now they have to pay the yeah. consequences. It's about talking to your kids because as our kids become, you know, these cyber citizens, oh, and digital natives, we need to ingrain this where it's like, be careful. My kids like. I'm very lucky that they get very minimal screen time and that, you know, we're, we're working with them to, to have this more like face-to-face -face bond. But as they, they get more ingrained with technology, the conversation about safety and privacy and understanding the consequences of social engineering, which really lead often into, into ransomware attacks, these are things that you can prevent. You can, you can be proactive without having to spend a lot of money, without having to be particularly technically savvy. You just have to be aware and consistent. So, uh, so you're doing a lot on this space, uh, not just for Odex specifically, but like you're writing a book on this, right? So, talk to us about what, or is this book two? I can't remember. This is this is book two. So okay. I've written, I wrote a book on book three. I have a book about the evolution of Israeli Chinese diplomacy. It's a thriller. It's a is thriller. it is it related? <laughs> It's, oh, and it's in Chinese as well. It was it was sponsored by the Chinese Cyber Agency. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> so I have one book about uh, municipal cybersecurity. I have another book in graphic design now about ransomware, the the evolution of ransomware, its costs, the common variants, and really my my favorite part is the the practical solutions. And as much as I want to you know rep my own technology, the practical solutions is we're saying is like. Have an active conversation about cybersecurity awareness. That 90% of, of cyber risk is like, can we mitigate human error? I don't I don't want to spend more money if everybody keeps on clicking everything. Yeah. Have you talked about your kids about <laughs> I'm sorry, oh, have wow. you talked to your kids have you about to malware kids about today? cybersecurity? That's yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> we, we really need to. Like my yeah. I you know, Yehuda, you mentioned that your kids have limited screen time, and so do mine, except then I realized. Our elementary school gave my nine my nine year old a laptop for school, like so she's on a computer not all day long, but she's on a computer. There are times in the day where the teacher sits her down and says, "Work on this assignment," and I'm going to go do specialized work with this group over here. And I know that the school has it locked down, and there are certain things they can't do. But I also know that my kid can go to Google and search for things, and like. Dad, right. do we know that. a Nigerian prince? Uh, so you're, yeah, we, you kind of like, at what age do you have the conversation about the birds and cybersecurity? I mean, that, that's the thing. I remember how cliche health class was in high school when they were talking about STDs and drugs, and nobody took it seriously. And I see it as a perfect parallel where this yeah. thing is, you know. It, it can be inconsequential if you understand what the risks are, how to protect yourself and how to, you know, be smart and be aware. But if you don't make it into something where people can understand it, if you speak over their heads and with kids, it's perfect because you can just like you're teaching them math, just like you're teaching them science, just like you're teaching them social skills. You teach them this this cyber hygiene and it becomes all ingrained. But if you decide that, you know, and I've, I've been writing a lot about where is that that the buck stops here moment where is it the company who's responsible for ingraining the cyber awareness and education is it your previous education is it the military is it the government legislation and it's everybody is always responsible at every single point 
There's not anybody who can drop the ball. And if we do, we're going to get hacked. I, I've decided that based on this conversation, I'm going to start a condom company that gives away condoms to, you know, you can either have like uh, colleges that give condoms away and stuff, except on the condom package, I'm going to print cybersecurity awareness things like you don't know a Nigerian prince or or, you know, like <laughs> I'm going to mix the two. And now we have true cybersecurity hygiene. <laughs> So if anybody wants to work on sponsorship for, for Jay's uh, condom idea, um, once again, that could be offline as well. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, we're just going to skip over Yehuda talking about the consequences of ignoring the STD and drugs lessons. Like, <laughs> I, was like I think we missed that part. That's the thing. You get mixed metaphors. And all Wait, what, it, what happened to you? <laughs> Oh, no, this, is, this is great. Well, Yehuda, we really appreciate you being on. This has been a fantastic conversation. I want to do two things before we close out here. Uh, when we first popped on the call, before we started recording, Yehuda um, showed me his bobblehead, and you have to see this thing. It's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. Yep, there it is. Love Did it. You, I, I, Love I don't it. see the when I came on. Can you just shake your head a little bit. Yeah, can you just. Oh, there <laughs> it is. Yes. Yay. When I came on, the camera, the camera was just on the bobblehead. And I was like, yes, this is amazing. Yeah, that's how he, that's what I saw when I first turned on the camera. So I was like, OK, this is this is great. This is great. There's yeah, a really so, good chance that's going to be the cover of this of this episode. Very good. It's a good it's chance awesome. that that's going to be the cover for my driver's license. Yeah. <laughs> so Yehuda, we want to ask one final question, right, uh, to to kind of conclude this and draw this to a close here. I'm what is the What's that now? I'm a Sagittarius. No. <laughs> <laughs> you like, uh, I do, in fact, like long walks on the beach. Thank exactly. you. <laughs> what is the biggest takeaway you hope people take from this conversation beyond what they can do as individuals to help prevent all this stuff? If you could communicate one thing to everybody as a summary point, what, what the, would that the, be? The big thing is that technical solutions aren't going to get you all the way. It's about the relationship and the blend of everything. And when you rely on one thing, you know, you can't eat chips all day. It may, it might taste good, but they only provide so much value. You need to be able to have your salt and your soda as well to fill out the pyramid of healthy foods. You know, you need to, you need to be able to ingrain all of these things and you need to be consistent. I think the biggest thing is really Cybersecurity is an everyday process. You can't sleep on your, your morals. You need to be proactive, and that's the way that you're going to mitigate the most risk. When we're reactionary and we're trying to, to get out of the fire, it becomes very, very difficult. It's a lot easier to, to be aware of what the risks are and spend a little bit more time to prevent them. I love that a guy selling software focused on solving this problem is saying software is not the end-all and be-all of this problem. So that's... I really appreciate that, and obviously the software helps. But uh, but you yeah, you respect your clients. If you if you try and project it where you are the end all solution, yep. it doesn't understand the space. It doesn't understand the burdens and the responsibilities that they're dealing with. And even more so, it doesn't position us as a realistic expectation to produce value because we yeah. can do this one thing or these things. But we're not we're not a cure all. And when we present it that way, and like I've had so many, you know, different kinds of hackers tell me it's like if you stop saying malware free or a hundred percent, we will send you our own swag. You know, we will we will give you high fives across the web because we don't want to hear it. We want to hear that you understand 
what we're going through and that you want to be able to help, not that you are the savior and everybody's been waiting for you. Yep. Yep. Really great. Really great. Well, we couldn't agree more, right? Like fantastic conversation here. We really appreciate you being on Yehuda. So thank you again for your time. Thanks for this amazing conversation. And um, yeah, if anybody has any questions, comments, examples of malware attack or anything they want to discuss, please put those in the comments below this episode here in YouTube. Yehuda, any last thoughts as we uh, we kind of close out here? I think Chase Beard is the best. Um, <laughs> like you can't you can't prevent all cyber risk, but Jay can grow like a badass beard. That's, That's true. <laughs> true story. That's it is. It's a beaut. Uh, it's a beaut. Thank you. That's, uh, I think that's the, just cut, cut the episode right there. <laughs> I know, right? There's the takeaway. There's the takeaway. Mic drop. Mic drop. Yeah, that's it. Yehuda, thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad we finally got to have this conversation, both about cybersecurity and ransomware and, and malware and my beard. Um, uh, I look forward to chatting with you again, man. Yeah, always a pleasure. And please, if anybody has any questions, you want to talk about uh, ransomware or malware, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Come check out odi-x.com. And I'm always interested in furthering the conversation and hear what everybody has to say. And look out for that book, everybody. Look out for the book. Coming. Yeah. Yeah. All, All right, right, man. The book. Bye, everybody. If you enjoyed this conversation and want to hear more just like it, make sure you click the subscribe button, notifications, and go to onthespot.tech for more from Buzzkill and our sibling podcasts.